Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo, joined by one of my co-hosts, Mitchell Weatherall. Mitch, how are you doing today? It's been about a week since the Leafs lost Game 7. We took some time to gather our thoughts before releasing this episode. It was definitely a heartbreaking ending, but uh, how has your week been and uh, what have you been up to now that there's no Leafs hockey? You know what, man? It was a tough week because I really had the hope that they were going to move on this year based off the team they had. And just just seeing Tampa actually now up 3 nothing gives me kind of hope. Like, this could have been the Leafs because we look at that series and, like, the Leafs, the Leafs were right there with Tampa Bay, the defending Stanley Cup champions, defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, and just seeing them breeze through Florida like they are now is, like, it just... It's a head scratcher for me because it easily could have been the Leafs right now, and I just—it's been—it's it's been a really tough week not being able to watch them because, like, after all they did, all these comebacks they made, all the adversity they had to they faced, and they were able to bounce back together as a team and do it. It's just—it's just—it's—it's heartbreaking to see a team work that hard and fall short like through just on one game one goal like one penalty we can all say so like I, I, I just as a as a fan of like the game I just I, I hate seeing a team just outplay one one team and just not get the results they need like that's just the Leafs totally put in the work they got they got majority of the results but they just couldn't fully get it when it fully mattered unfortunately so it's it's been definitely tough uh not being able to see them keep playing, especially you know what, seeing Tampa like just roll over Florida as well because this could have been the Leafs. Like the Leafs are right there with Tampa, and if they would have got by Tampa, I personally, in my opinion, believe they would have got by Florida too because Tampa's just ten times better team than Florida in every aspect, in my opinion. They're just they're just so strong, and the Leafs the Leafs the Leafs match that energy in my opinion, so they're right there with them, and I. I think again moving forward with Tampa, like this is actually like they may they may have not got the results they wanted with all the work they put in, but like they're gonna they got a good face of what it's like to play Tampa in the playoffs now because I'm telling you in the near future it's going to happen again. They're gonna see the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round again, whether it's next year, a couple years from now. They're gonna face this team and now that they've they, they know they know what they're they know what it's like to play them. So they know next time what it's going to be like coming against them. So they're going to be more prepared now, which I'm uh, which I'm excited for. So that's 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 my whole thing about like with Tampa and how how everything went. Like it just sucks. Like this whole week seeing them not being able to compete after all the hard work they put in. This is this was totally a different series from last year because last year, in my opinion, they deserved to lose. They couldn't like. Blowing a three-one series like that is unacceptable. You got to close the game out. 
So, but this year was different to me. This year was just, I wasn't mad. I was sad. I was sad for the players. I was sad for the team. Just everything, man, because of all the hard work they put in. It's so, it's just so hard seeing that and seeing them fall short. Don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay is a great hockey team, but the Leafs put in the work. I believe the Leafs outplayed them at least three out of four, at least three, three, at least majority of that series. So just seeing them fall short now, it's just it's just unfortunate. But now, the good thing I see out of this though is that they get a real test of a future opponent again, and they know what it's going to be like moving forward playing them. So that's what they're they're mostly gaining out of this, which I like about it. So that's what that's what that's what I really think about everything. Yeah, you know, but it's been in years past where, you know, we've kind of gotten the same result. Obviously, everybody makes the jokes of the narrative first round exits with this team. But this year, something just feels a little different. I like how you mentioned that, you know, I really believed that this team was going to do it this year. Obviously, the additions that I spoke about on this first episode of this podcast that we're going to run through a bit later. But, you know, it's the same narrative as every year, but it just has a different vibe to this team. And I really like how you put that into perspective and you know this team yes they lost in the first round but they know you know what it's like to be a winner and we've seen that in their post-game pressers or postseason pressers sorry they talked about now they know how close they are to winning and all that stuff and they're going to tell you all the stuff you want to hear they're going to tell you all the good stuff that's you know brought into them before they're made available to the media uh to keep you know no fires from happening uh post-series but you know, I, I genuinely believe them. I think there is going to be changes as much as they denied so. Uh, but yeah, you know, you can't be mad with this team. They fought in all seven games. Yes, there were some ugly games. There were some awesome moments for sure uh, from the least perspective. But at the end of the day, Vasilevsky was just Vasilevsky. And we're seeing the same Vasilevsky do it against the Florida Panthers right now. He's just, you know, the best goal in the NHL. Um, I don't care if you want to argue Shesterkin or Markstrom. I don't care who you want to bring up. Vasilevsky's untouchable, in my opinion. And when you have him as your goalie in the playoffs, uh, you're going to be a tough out. And the Leafs pretty much did all they could. They really fought. Um, and, you know, next year we just got to hope that this team keeps that same momentum. Because when this team had its momentum, they were one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. Uh, they had some winning streaks that was, you know, incredible. Uh, the addition of Giordano, Labushkin, and all those guys throughout the season. Uh, you know, this team has a foundation that's strong. They look like they're capable of, you know, making deep playoff runs, potentially winning cups. And I put cups in plural because with a core like this, I, I think the sky's the ceiling. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was definitely a tough series. Game seven, Nick Paul, you know, he really came alive and. That was a guy that I really wanted at the deadline. A lot of people didn't like that idea when I brought it up. <laughs> Not going to mention names, especially all over Twitter. I was getting some heat for talking about Nick Paul potentially being the blue and white. And he showed me exactly why I wanted him just in that game seven alone. You know, he has some versatile ability to his game. He can score really good in his own zone as well. He's physical, tough to stop. Not the best skater, but definitely a sandpaper centerman that, uh, can definitely bring something to your lineup. And Tampa Bay hit a home run with that trade uh, because now there's a reason why they're in the second round and looking convincingly like they will be on to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, but with that, Mitch, let's go to the season now as a whole. And uh, the Maple Leafs, they had a successful season in the regular season. I don't think there's any denying that. Obviously, 
you know, the bar was making it outside of round one. I was a big believer they were going to do so. Um, I was very optimistic, but I'm not mad. I You said that too. Like, I don't think anybody, if you're a real Leaf fan, is really mad with how the season ended uh, because they gave it their all. Like, they gave everything they had inside of them. John Tavares, yes, he was, you know, receiving tons of criticism for his play, but he was grinding it out. Kerfoot was doing everything he could. He made some costly errors, but Kerfoot did so much good in terms of, you know, breaking up Tampa Bay's structure and system. And Austin Matthews and Marner started scoring in the postseason, so that felt like another successful uh, push. And it just, you know, just didn't work out. And this year, it's, uh, you know, not like the years prior where you can be upset because they had everything going for them. They really fought tooth and nail for that. Uh, and going to Game 7 against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, um, you know, there, there's enough said there uh, because Florida's getting swept right now. And it's 3-0, but I don't know if Florida's going to win tomorrow night. As much as Jonathan Huberto is confident in that, I'm not confident in Florida. Never was. I had them out in round one of my bracket initially. But with that, let's go to the final season, Mitch. The Leafs finished 54-21-7, and 115 points. They finished third in the Eastern Conference. They finished second in the Atlantic Division. Let's start with you. What is your initial thoughts on this season? Every year they have great regular seasons, and it just shows. I, uh, I personally believe they have everything what it takes to get to the postseason. And even, like, their postseason may, success may, like fall short of that but they they've got everything they need to get them to the playoffs and that's what i'm really not worried about moving forward because i know they're going to be back there eventually overall i think they had a great year uh we obviously had matthews getting 60 goals he's up for the heart trophy now that's going to be that'd be that'd be a great that'd be great if he would win the heart trophy definitely good for this uh good for the city good for this team it's just something to rally off moving forward uh, but definitely, like, I it was a great season. Uh, even, like, you got a guy like Bunting, in my opinion, stepping it up because I, I, I had the question actually going into the season is, like, what's this going to be without Hyman? Because Hyman, like, I really like the style of play. Like, he's gritty. He gets, gets in the corners and stuff. But honestly, Bunting, like, he's quick, and I just really like what he brought to the table playing alongside Matthews most of the year. So... Definitely, that was a Hyman leaving was probably the best thing uh, for the Leafs, and he got his deal, and I'm happy for him. But I really like what I saw of Bun- uh, Bunting this year, and then I'll turn over the deadline too. Picking up Giordano, I think was a solid uh, defensive pickup. I know he's a bit older now, but uh, I'm really glad like what he brought to the lineup. A bit of veteran experience is good too for the playoffs with a young group of like the Leafs had, so it was definitely uh, definitely a solid pickup getting him. But overall, it was a great regular season. They always impress us every year uh, up until the playoffs, unfortunately. But, yeah, it was definitely another great season to watch, and I hope they can uh, really build upon it next season, build upon what the what build upon the energy they had in the playoffs. I know, like, with this exit, I, it, it, I had the question, too, like, what's just what's next? Like, what's going to happen now? Because, like, I compare and I look back to 20, like the, the loss against Montreal, and I'm like, okay, like, we really all, like, we know what's wrong. I know what to expect out of next year. But I don't know what to expect out of the Leafs next year after this year because it really hits different to me now. Like, I, I, I don't, like, I don't understand because 
they have all this momentum. Like it just it just feel like everything's just repeating now. Like good regular season. All right, first round playoff exit in game seven. Like and not even not even a game six, a game five. It's a game seven. So they, like they, they just gotta build upon they gotta build upon what they have and they gotta be even more ready and expect more of themselves from next year because they're they're just one step closer to, to getting it done and I believe it's gonna happen eventually. So I would consider this a very successful regular season. For sure, and the postseason result may have not been what we wanted and expected, but they worked for it, and you saw it. And I can walk away like and say like, okay, they worked for it, they tried, but the results weren't there. That's the most unfortunate part. When you put in the work, you're gonna get the results, and it just wasn't there for Toronto. So, like you quoted earlier, Vasilevsky, like he's best goalie in the NHL by far. Yeah, I know Igor's up there with him, and he got Markstrom too. Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL. There's no debate to that at all. And it's showing right now in Florida, and it showed right now in the uh, Leafs series. So, But now they've got the test to him. It's, they know what it's like, and they're going to see Tampa again in the, in the future, first round. The, I expect, like, like, I expect, like, the same sort of series. And I, I know the Leafs are going to put in the work. So, so overall, great regular season. Uh, Matthew's 60 goals was actually amazing. Uh, I really hope he wins the Hart Trophy. I really think he has a good chance. And uh, best best goal scorer in the league right now. So that's that's the best hope uh, to see. And it was a great regular season. I'm really excited for next year based off the uh, the energy they had against Tampa Bay because it's it's only going to be getting better. Oh, yeah. They're just one Mm-hmm, for sure one step closer and you just see it and this is where we just we just got to be patient because the work they're putting in is there i know i i thought they were really going to get out of it this year because uh because uh they're like i thought they're they're gonna head in, head into this season mad like like the the one that just passed like they're coming that season mad so and i think they're gonna be even more even more mad now because of the work they put in and uh they, like they know okay this is this actually sucks because we put in the work and we didn't get the results we want so they're it's gonna be they're gonna come out even more with more energy next year and that's what I fully believe out of them and you touched upon Nick Paul which I like for Tampa Bay and obviously yeah I killed the Leafs in game seven which which sucks but everyone yeah you may view him I, I like you may view him as a bad player but I, I I really don't because I you know what I think the Leafs are missing though to get them that get him that second round is like a guy like him like not just like him but like any guy that like comes up clutch like when it matters they may not do anything in the regular season but I think the Leafs if they're gonna get in the first round they need a guy that's gonna come up clutch like that a secondary depth guy that's just gonna come up clutch for them like that guy that's just gonna take a step forward like we all know what we're getting out of the superstars but who who's that guy that's gonna who's that depth guy that's taking a step forward who's gonna take a step up moving forward and I saw that out of Nick Paul in Tampa Bay in game seven and that's what yeah. I want what I want Toronto going after this offseason is a depth guy I want my curiosity is gonna be into this uh into their playoffs who's stepping up I know what I'm getting out of Matthews Nylander Marner Campbell too Riley all these stars I know what to expect out of them it's a given but I don't know what to expect out of like these depth guys that, that that they have in their team. So I really want to see, 
I want to really, really want them to go after a depth guy that they believe can make a, a very impact, a uh, big impact in the playoffs. That guy that was stepping up for them moving forward. And you've seen, you've, we've seen those players in past playoffs with uh, just just any team in general. So and Nick Paul's a great example of what he did in Tampa. Very underrated trade. Uh, deadline pickup for the Lightning. That guy that stepped it up and powered them through Game Seven. That's what the Leafs need. So that's what I want to see them at. like. Just a depth player. Is that be Nick Paul? But just a depth player that's going to step it up for them. Who's that guy that's going to take that step forward? So that's one thing I'd like to have them go hunting really good for uh, this off season. But other than that, uh, it was an amazing regular season. I'm I'm very happy with. I'm just happy. Like it's just sad to see them lose, but I'm happy with the work they put in and. Obviously, they didn't get the result, but I'm still happy with the effort they put in, and I'm really excited for next season because they're going to build upon they're going to build upon the energy they put in, and they've matched that Tampa Bay energy. So they just got to build upon it and figure out that they got one. That's the one missing piece, I believe, is that depth player that's going to take that step forward. He may not be the greatest guy in the regular season, but he he takes that step when it matters, and that's what they need. So that's what I fully think about everything. Yeah, playoff performer. We're seeing that a lot with uh, Corey Perry right now with the Lightning. He had a pretty productive uh, season with Tampa, but this year's playoffs, he's really uh, came alive. And, you know, I agree they do need some secondary help in the postseason. It's a little tougher to sign a guy that, you know, comes up clutch in the playoffs because when you have those guys and you find them uh, usually through the draft, you usually tend to hold on to them if you're those teams. Uh, So they're tougher to find, but... I agree. I think a forward uh, this offseason um, to kind of help that top six, a little bit more of a gritty guy, a physical guy, kind of like a bunting almost part two. Obviously, you know, there's some good names out there. There's a name that I'm going to be talking about next week that I hope the least will go in and get because if you listen to 32 Thoughts, the podcast from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, they spoke about the Leafs adding a potential top six tough guy to play against uh, type of player. And I think that... Uh, you know, after I was going full nerd mode this week, uh, trying to recover from the loss, searching up some uh, free agents and all that stuff, building some lineups, and there's a name that I've fallen in love with. But who knows if the money works, but we'll talk about that next week. But uh, moving on to my thoughts now. You know, I thought the Leafs had a great regular season. You know, uh, franchise record and points. Uh, there's nothing really to say negatively about how the regular season went. The start was really ugly. I remember, uh, you know, especially after the loss to San Jose and the jersey being thrown on the ice, it was almost like rock bottom at that point uh, for the start to the year. Everybody was down on the Leafs. Matthews uh, literally just came back from his wrist surgery at that point, and uh, the Leafs were definitely not getting the results that a lot of people expected, even though they were like 2-2-1, which didn't really make sense. But, you know, I always remained positive with this team. Um, I was very confident coming into this season. Obviously, goaltending. Uh, is probably the biggest what if. What if this Leafs team had solid goaltending throughout the whole season? Would they have potentially won the President's Trophy? Uh, would they have played a different opponent in the playoffs? And how would that gone? I think uh, the Leafs probably would beat, I guess, six out of the eight teams. No, that doesn't make sense. I think, yeah, five out of the eight teams in the Eastern Conference besides Carolina and Tampa Bay, I'd be fully confident in betting that the Maple Leafs would have won in a best of seven series. So uh, Lightning and, t- and uh, Carolina, definitely my two favorites uh, to make it out of the East right now with how the playoffs are going and with how the regular season went. But 
you know, the depth scoring came alive. We saw some emergence. The young studs from the Marlies that we heard about for years and Rasmus Sandin until Timothy Lilligren finally started to get full-time NHL uh, playing roles. And injuries, yes, at least battled through. They made tons of acquisitions. And there was lots of ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Uh, Marner almost getting 100 points as a Maple Leaf was really special. Bunting, a guy I was super high on. But yeah, you know, it was a really uh, fun regular season. Uh, there's not much more you could say about this team. William Nylander, 80 points plus this year. You know, he's definitely the target for criticism, but I love that guy. And uh, I'm really happy with how David Camp worked out this season also. So with that, let's go to the next part of this pod. And let's kind of do a look back from, I listened to the first couple episodes of our Battleborn Leafs podcast, uh, you know, the inaugural episodes that were released back in September and uh, early fall. And, you know, I took some points from mine. And let's start with uh, the abomination take. So <laughs> the one that looked the worst uh, looking back now was probably when I, I was really high on Nick Ritchie. Mitch, I don't know if you were, but I was super high on Nick Ritchie. Uh, I really thought, sorry, what? Oh, I, w- I was so high on Richie. I thought, you know, a bigger body coming into the top six on a line with Matthews and Marner at the time. Uh, he had that 15. Yeah, yeah, he had he had 15 six. goals with Boston last year uh, on power play one, net front presence. I thought, like, we were going to see some JVR moments out of him. You know what? That doesn't surprise me if you kind of compare it to that style of play, to be honest. Yeah, I think I understand, like, what you mean. Like, he's got the size, and he's just, he was just way too slow for them. Like, yeah, that, that backfired brutally. <laughs> I know, very young, fast team, man. I think we're referring to him as one of the bearded people right now in the NHL, so. Yeah, he. It's, uh, oh, man, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But but I understand, like, when they when they got him, we didn't have those expectations. Okay, he might have a JVR play style. He might not be, like, put up his numbers or anything, but he'll have this play style, which I can mm. understand. Hey, credit to Dubis for moving him. Like credit, like that contract. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, he, he he moved him at the right time, and I I'll, uh, I'll give him out. It's you know what? It's something. It's out of their control because he can't control a backfire like that. And I understand bringing him in, seeing what happens. It didn't work out. All right, he's gone now. Like forget about it. So, but I do. I would give him credit for the time he moved him out, and it was just good timing. So, yeah, but go on. Uh, the next take that backfired was I really was high on the Leafs making it out of the first round. I told everybody to buy into this team at at the start of last, before the first game even played, because I was so hyped up about, you know, the ads that they made and let's go through those now. So these are the takes that I actually, actually got, you know, right. And that was first Michael Bunting when everybody in me in the sports media here in Canada was saying the Leafs failed to replace Zach Hyman. Kyle Dubas didn't have a great summer. And this whole time I was like, Michael Bunting is here. Nobody was high on Michael Bunting. Like I was, I remember speaking to Michael myself before the season started. And I told him like, you're going to have a fantastic season. I'm really high on you. And you know, he was just an awesome person. Um, you know, great guy and like i was so happy lee scott this guy seeing what he did in arizona last season like to end it off he was just 
you know, an energy bolt and the amount of goals he put in the back of the net. I was not surprised he came to Toronto and did what he did. I feel like I'm the OG Michael Bunting supporter. You can go back to the first ever episode of this podcast. You could hear me talk about how Bunting is going to impress this season. But then I also got Camp and Kasha right. And Camp, you know, this is a guy that I said the Leafs have been needing a guy like this for so long. A defensive first centerman. He occupied that third line role this season as center number three. Uh, you know, the offensive production surprisingly came, you know, out a bit uh, since he put on the Leaf jersey. But obviously a lot of that was empty netters and uh, some beautiful plays by Mitch Marner for easy tap-ins. But still, you know, Camp was a guy I was really high on and he did what I thought he was going to do. Andre Kasha, yes, I talked about his injury troubles and all that stuff, but he's a versatile winger. You can slide up from the top line to your fourth line. He's a scoring threat. You know, he's another guy that will get in hard on the four checks. And, uh, you know, I thought he had a productive season with the Leafs. I hope he could come back. His problem is just his health with Andre Kasha. Um, I also got the over on 107 points when uh, Bryson asked me what are the betting odds on that and if I would take it. And I said, yes, over 107. And uh, obviously that was correct. They smashed that with 115. And I, I, I still remain confident. I said that they were going to do it, and uh, they certainly lived up to my expectations with 115 points. Uh, then I also got Mrazek's health concerns right. Unfortunately, I thought he's going to be a little bit better than what he showed this year. I did not expect him to finish with a save percentage in the 800s, but uh, I did get Mrazek's health concerns right when I was questioning Kyle Dubas' signing with Mrazek and his health. Uh, then I also, this was probably my favorite moment, on October 2nd this year, I broke the Morgan Riley extension, saying he's going to get $7.5 uh, and the deal was really close. And then on October 29th, I believe it was, that's when he signed for $7.5 over seven years. And I thought that was a really cool moment, calling basically <laughs> calling, yeah, calling basically my first, um, you know, uh, I guess Josh Baum on this podcast. But then, oh, yeah. but then it gets better because... On October 28th, I also called the Ila Labushkin trade, uh, bringing him from Arizona when everybody was like, who's Labushkin? And nobody spoke about him. I remember TSN talking about it and saying how uh, Labushkin's a guy that Kyle Dubas found that nobody was talking about. And, you know, Labushkin was a guy I was really high on. Uh, right-hand shot defenseman out in Arizona. I figured they were going to move some UFAs, and I kind of got attached to his game and his you know, sandpaper edge that he brings to the defense cores. And, you know, Kyle Dubas, I guess, had the same thinking as me and went out and, you know, traded Nick Ritchie for him. And as much as my Nick Ritchie take backfired, since he went to Arizona in 24 games that he played, he had 14 points for 10 goals. Uh, you know, so he did pretty good in Arizona. Um, but too bad that wasn't with the Maple Leafs. But with that, yeah, you know, that was just the pod looking back here at Battleborn Leafs. Obviously, I was high on the ads that Kyle Dubas made, and I'm happy with uh, my early season projections and predictions, and uh, I'm really hoping to do better next year, try and perfect them. But, uh, yeah, the Nick Ritchie take and uh, making it out of the first round is definitely something uh, I wish was the opposite. Yeah, you know what? Those are a lot of good takes. That Riley signing, though, that's, that's probably, yeah, you call that Labushkin, too. Those are, that's, 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 that's two favorite you said but yeah it's uh honestly i i had the same take too though for the first round because i um i just think like it's it it's time it's like well yeah we're saying that every year no but it's actually time because 
you're coming off blowing a 3-1 series lead. You'd think you'd be a bit angry about that, and you're going to lay it all out there, and they're going to be like, I don't want to do this again. Like, so, I, it just, it just, it's a, it's a repeated cycle, and I think these players know that, so, yeah, again, the time's coming, but, again, like, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's just, it's there, and they just, I think that's just that one missing piece, but, again, like you said, like, even the Nick Ritchie thing, too, you called, like, they're still getting good out of it with Babushkin, because, clearly, yeah, he put up good numbers in Arizona, but it's, like, one of those guys, like, you just, it's so hard to, like, find him, because he's playing where he is, but now, moving forward, he's gonna get the hype in Toronto, trust me, with the fans, the fan base, and just the media coverage of it, he's gonna get the hype now in Toronto, so, that was definitely a good, uh, good call by you, and, like, you and Dubas were looking at the same guy, so... That's, uh, but yeah, that's a good call for sure, and, uh, even, like, Michael Bunting, too, like, I'm, uh, I honestly don't believe Hyman should be getting what he's getting, like, he's a great player and all, but, like, for his style of play, that gritty, like, getting in the corners and stuff, that's gonna wear off, like, Oh, for sure, yep, I agree. When you, you play, that's, that's a great style of play, but that's, along that's gonna come injuries, and you're gonna get older, and you're just gonna slow down, so... Like, great player. I'm happy he got that contract, but it's not a good contract if you're looking at it from a team standpoint. I agree for sure. If they take that deal any day of the week, sure, I would take that. But I would not pay him that in Toronto. Bunting is a cheaper, faster version. And he can do the same thing. He's cheaper. So, like, they're, they're saving so much money there, which is awesome. So, let, let it, like... Like, yeah, like, waste team, like, waste some money on him. Like, well, I got a question for you. Sorry to interrupt you, but I have a question now that you said yeah. that. Yeah, what's um, up? <laughs> are you ready for the can the Leafs afford Michael Bunting chatter next season? Because, you know, uh, media is going to blow that out of the water. We thought Ilya Mikheyev was that. And uh, if he priced himself up with the Leafs and all that drama. Are you ready for that with Michael Bunting now that you brought up all those good points about Michael Bunting? Oh, man. That's interesting. I'm interested to see, though, what he'll get price range. Please don't pay him what they did with Hyman, though. Like, if he if he has a Hyman style of play, then don't pay him, like, five or six million dollars over a long-term deal. I, like, will he get a long-term deal? Do you think I, do you think Kyle will extend him this summer or no? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he's he's got to get other priorities back. Like, I want to see him. I think there's other priorities. I give him another year, but like, I personally believe it's probably better to extend him this summer because uh, you give him another year, that's more time for him to prove himself. And boom, jack up that price, he's gonna go up. So that's risk waiting. But I don't think I feel like they're gonna want to give him another, like maybe another year to prove himself, which is really risky. Yeah, I know uh, it's. It reminds me of the Campbell situation. If I'm Dubis, I would look into signing him. I would just talk to him, like, what are we looking at here? I'm not saying hammer a deal, like Uh minimum, but just enter negotiations, get a grasp of what's going on here. Like, what do you want? deal-wise, money-wise, I don't know, stuff like that, and, uh, yeah, just, I don't, like, I wouldn't make it their top priority right now, but it needs to be slightly considered moving forward, so, but I wouldn't wait, like, too long, and I'm like, don't, like, you know what I honestly can see, though? 
I could see that he's going to hold off this summer, which I, like, it may be good. What if they signed him in season to an extension next year? Like, I can see something. I'm going to call a prediction right now. I think, like, I'd like to see them sign him maybe November, December next year. Just give him that extension. See how he's, like, a couple months in. Maybe December, mm-hmm. January, too. I'm just... See my- signed around that time. I don't want to wait till the offseason. Get them done now. You know yeah. what he brings to Just get them done. Get it over with. Throw, throw it out the door. Get it over with. So I would wait. So if I do this, I would I'd focus on the other priorities, bringing the other guys back. Like McCabe I want back. I want like obviously Sue, but like like obviously they could go afford to like go other goals, goalie hunting too because obviously there can be an upgrade there too. He's a good goalie, don't get me wrong, but there's a, you can always explore that position too, like now that his contract's like running up soon too. So definitely like try to get like the, the guys they got up, try to get them extensions, like and uh, see where it goes from there, and then have that priority of just getting that depth player, like I said earlier, that will come up clutch in the playoffs. I like but that. Or yeah, or no, sorry, not McKay at Bunting. My uh, my bad. Uh, I just want to see. I'd like to see a mid-season extension. So I'm calling it. I'm not going to say he's going to sign by uh, December, January, but I'd like to see him sign by December, January. I think me and you share the same feeling that if he goes to the open market, we know that, you know, it's going to be tough for the Maple Leafs to bring him back. I just want to see Dubas get him back. Like, but I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think they'll bring him back like this summer? I, 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 I think, think just wait a bit longer. I, I would wait. I would like to see how his production changes once he's moved off a line without Matthews and stuff like that. Maybe potentially extend. I think I think it will change. Like oh, it'll, it'll change drastically. Matthews. I just I want to see if he's yeah, able to drive his own play. You know what I mean? Like Michael Bunting's a physical uh, energy guy who can you know get in the other opponent's face and kind of stir some up. With yeah. scoring goals at rapid paces at certain points, especially games where he can be a game breaker. And those guys, when they go on the open market, they tend to get a lot of money. And obviously, I don't see him getting a $7 million contract next season or something, you know, albatross. But he's definitely going to get something good. And I have a feeling if he plays with Matthews and Marner again this season, there's no reason why maybe, like, oh, yeah, what are we looking at in points here? Yeah, maybe 60 to 70 points potentially if they're all healthy uh, for the full season. I don't think we're going to see him touch 100 points area and that stuff and get into Albatross contracts. But I think 60 points is reasonable if they're all healthy. And, uh, you know, going into the open market with Michael Bunting at 60 points is definitely going to be tough to retain. And we're seeing that with Mikheyev right now. And, you know, Mikheyev's a guy that it sounds like from people outside the organization, they're not as high on as we are in here in Leafland. But... You know, going to the open market with Michael Bunting uh, as a UFA is something I don't like the Leafs' odds on. And I think, you know, him being a Scarborough boy and all that stuff, I think he'll want to stay here. I think, you know, he has that relationship with Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, you know, from junior and stuff like that. So I don't think an extension's out of the books. I think they both want to get it done. But I think Michael Bunting's going to want more of a fair pay because he certainly destroyed his value this year at, like, what, 850000 800000 for two seasons. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to pay him now. Like, that's what I mean. Like maybe take the gamble up. now, 3.5 million over four years, five years, something like that. Or maybe, yeah, you know, give him kind of that Brandon Tanev style contract that Tanev got 
Obviously, Michael Bunting scores a lot more than Tanev did when he was in Winnipeg, but Bunting's NHL resume is still very slim, so I think you can get some argument points in there. But you know, three to three point five to four million would be my extension value uh, if I'm going off one year. Because if you go into the fives and sixes, uh, you're starting to take a risk there. And then why would you spend that money on a gamble when they could have went out and signed a guy like potentially like Brian Rust or somebody with that kind of caliber name on the open market? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't go nothing over five. But, again, that can go up because, like, obviously you said he broke out with minimal hype. So, that means that, okay, he's going to, if this keeps going, hopefully it doesn't, we don't get to 4.5, 5, even 5.5, 2. No, like, they're, they're, like, and I, he deserves, he deserves a bargain, in my opinion, but I think he needs, like, if, from a business perspective, he needs to like if if I'm in Dubis's like position right now, I would like I think it's better if they pay him now. Yeah. Like I know like obviously there's no rush, but just like get it done because you know I know the guy's getting better. I he's gonna get better. Like mm-hmm. I don't like he's gonna he's only getting better. Like look, look who he's playing with, Marner Matthews. Like he's gonna get better. Even if you move him on the second line too, I'm sure he'll like still put up the points with like Willie and Tavares, but Honestly, he's only getting better. You're like, and you you put him with Matthews, and you put him with the leading goal scorer in the league. His his points are gonna shoot up. Like they're just gonna shoot up as time goes on. So, I I believe like get the deal done now. If you don't get the deal done this summer, then try to get the deal done around. I'd say December. Mm-hmm. Give him a couple months. Give him. Give give him a give him a couple months to get going. Like don't like right off the bat. All right, here this is what you're getting. Like well, the problem is he had 63 points this season. Like next year, I'm saying I like I have a full lock. Like I'm I'm no, certain no. he's getting 60 again next year playing with Matthews and Marner. But you know we could talk about potentially being 70 points next season or even 80. Like 80 wouldn't be that crazy. He got 63 points this year without Marner and Matthews being fully healthy. Yeah, you know that that's not out of question, and you have a guy like that going on the open market. Like there, are, there might be a team that will say, "Okay, we'll give you north of five million, closer to six. Oh, dude, a team will pay him that. A team will pay him five point five million easily, six million if if he's putting up those numbers. Teams will just throw the money, man. Like it, you look at it with Hyman, man. Like, yeah, he's not worth that money based off his playing style, but a team's gonna pay him that. That's what. That's what you gotta understand, like, and everyone's gotta understand. A team will pay a player like these stupid deals. They don't care. Yeah. Like they'll just they'll, they'll, they'll you'll you'll pay big to get uh, like the big big stuff. So they'll they'll pay the money. It's not a realistic contract for me for Bunting is a four by four right now. You get that, and at sixty three points he had, and he's getting better next year. Can you imagine like he's getting like he gets in that seventy to eighty point range next year you've already got paid oh my gosh like the Leafs will dodge a bullet because uh like his value will skyrocket and they gotta avoid like getting him at like they can't have him get over at least 4.5 they need they need to avoid the situation they got themselves in with Jack Campbell this year because Campbell at the start of the year with his 940 save percentage basically until Christmas 
you know, a lot of people were screaming, give them six, give them eight, give them, you know, like stupid amounts of money, like eight. Like I couldn't even believe I heard people say that, but you know, they're like, Oh, 940 save percentage, all this stuff. And I was kind of the villain of Leafs Twitter. And, uh, you know, on this podcast saying that like, guys, like regression is going to happen. Like you got to be prepared for this because Jack Campbell, in my opinion, shouldn't be making more than 5 million. He's not a true caliber. Number one ace, uh, at the goaltending position and you need that to win Stanley cups. And, you know, I love Jack Campbell, the person I love his playing ability. He, what he did in game seven, um, you know, then coming through that injury and still being able to finish out the game. The guy loves to be a leaf. He wants to win, but you know, what if Michael Bunting just has like an insane start next? Like what if Michael Bunting is realistically the third like or second highest in points with the Maple Leafs being on a line with Marner or Matthews and he's just tapping pucks by goaltenders and it's just crossing line. Everything he fires goes on end because that's what happens here in Leafland. I don't know if it's the luck, but when a player's on an expiring deal, they seem to really find their stride and it's costed them years on and years on. And, you know, that looks yeah. like it might cost them this year with Jack Campbell. I think they should have given Campbell an extension last summer, uh, something cheaper to a 2.5 over two year extension. So it works out for all parties that he gets some NHL security uh, in his contract and you know Leafs would have had a nice situation and goal going into next season especially if they were able to move out Morazic and find a suitable backup but you know I think they just got to do something this season with Michael and they got to prevent him from going into unrestricted free agency because if he's a UFA uh, that I have no doubt in my mind that some west coast teams or some of the east teams here especially in the Atlantic wouldn't wouldn't mind paying for some uh, grit to their top line, top six, because Michael Bunting certainly played like a top six winger this season. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't want to lose him to a divisional header, honestly, because that would, that would hurt a lot. So I, I, I think they're going to get the deal done. It's just going to be a matter of when. Because I agree. It's like, he doesn't have to rush now, but I would start to really look into maybe pushing the pace to it come October, September. So yeah. the latest is be getting done is uh, I'd say December. I'm going to block it at that and let's see where All I right. sign. Let's clock it there. Yeah, yeah, you can put that down. I put that. I'll, I've been seeing down by September, but we'll, we'll see it, what happens then. Alright. Yeah, he had that hot start. They should have paid him too because I think he's their number one goalie. Oh, without a doubt. Should we go is, to our awards now? Now that we're on Campbell? Yeah, I guess, yeah, we all all right, so we okay. Go ahead. Then after this, we get to the awards. No worries. All right, yeah. I just want, yeah, like even with Campbell, like you can see he's their number one goalie, and I don't like how they delayed it with him now because now he's gonna he's he's in free agency. It's his time now to say okay, let let's let's make as much money as possible. Yeah. So now they waited on him. He got the injury uh, end of the season late, which killed them. And uh, it's yeah, I don't. He's, he's going to be a tricky deal, in my opinion. I, I think they'll bring it back, but it's going to be that price point. So, I like, goalies, you got to watch with these deals because you can easily overpay one. So, I think five mil, five million range, maybe 4.5 to 5, maybe a year. Lengthwise, I'm thinking maybe five years, maybe six years. So, th- those two. I think they got to lock him up long term. Now he's at that point. He's going to want to. That's all I gotta say about Campbell. If you uh, you want to go on awards, yep. Well, only because right. our Vesna winner 
is not surprisingly yeah. Jack Campbell for the Leafs. Oh, yeah. uh, Jack Campbell had a regular season of 49 games played, 31 wins, 9 losses, 6 overtime losses, 2.4, I mean, sorry, 2.64 goals against average, a 9.14 save percentage. In the playoffs, he went 3 wins, 4 losses, 0, uh, sorry, 3 wins, 4 losses, a 3.15 goals against average, and an 8.97 save percentage. The numbers, I feel, don't do him justice. I thought Jack Campbell, you know, looked Vasilevsky dead in the eyes and said, you know, we're going to go head-to-head. I thought Jack Campbell played some amazing hockey, especially in Game 7. He looked locked in. Um, you know, rough Game 4, but other than that, game I thought one, Jack yeah. Campbell. Yeah, Game 1 game as one, well. Too, I think was his best game, but he was in the zone. Yeah, I was, game, I was awesome. Exactly. I know they, blew, they blew Tampa out of the water, but he was still in the zone. So, yeah, I think Game 1, I think it was my favorite Yeah, game. so... Campbell has a career uh, 9.15 save percentage in the postseason, a 2.4 goals against average as well in the playoffs. But, you know, you said I'm more of a long-term extension with Campbell. I'm not really feeling that. I don't trust his health and his ability to play long-term. I also want my number one goalie to play about 60 games a season. With the way the NHL has gone recently, it's more 50 uh to 60 splits from, from what we saw years past where it's been more of a 60 70 um yeah. you know that's due to the evolution of the backups just getting better and better and the analytics of health and stuff like that but you know jack campbell i think he's priced himself out of toronto i think it's gonna be tough to bring him back uh but we're gonna have some episodes coming out throughout the next couple weeks we're gonna have some high ticket options and some you know more cost effective options I'm really excited for those episodes to release, so I'm not going to go too deep, but yeah, I'm really not feeling a Campbell extension for five mil for five years. If I was to see Campbell resign, I would want maybe 3.5 to 4. But the thing is, you look at Mrazek's deal. deal. Yeah, but the thing is, he's not like who's going to want a bridge deal at age 30, right? You got to look from Campbell's perspective. He's not. Morazic money. Morazic money, yes. Yeah, when you would have given Morazic money. Morazic money. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying this because he fully has improved himself. You give him time in a bridge deal to have that good money, and he's locked in at that. He's he's locked in at that deal. You, you can't move it. So, but now we're at the point where okay, we waited too long on this guy. He's uh, we've seen him. We've seen him twice in the postseason, and now we've got a full, uh, full regular season out of him that he's played. Not like all the games, but like you know what I mean, like a yeah. full year as a starter. And now he's up. He needs to get paid, and he has that man. He's gonna have that mentality. I want the most money I can get. 
I want to stay with the team as long as I possibly can. And the Leafs are screwed with him now because uh, they got to match that. They can't give him a bridge deal now. They offer him a bridge deal. No, I'm, I'm leaving. Like, that's, that's crazy. They can't. I know that it's the right thing to do at the moment, but he's going to want 5 to 5.5 million. I don't know if the Leafs can pay him that. Because yeah, like, the again, problem is, like I said, with like they gotta pay all the like Bunting dude next year. Yeah. That's that's gonna mm-hmm. that's more of a priority than Campbell. And then the Honestly, next like, the next season, like, Matthews as well, right? So oh, that too, yeah. But goalies, like I feel like they're easy to replace. Like at like a guy like Bunting, that's gonna be tough to replace. But like Campbell, he's replaceable. Like I I think Campbell's replaceable. Like you can easily go out there and find a, a solid goal. Well, I think, yeah, I think what you mean, like, I I agree to that only because the goaltending position, I think chemistry is not a factor really. Like, obviously you want to be good with the guys and stuff like that. You want to be close to your teammates, but the goaltending position is you're on your own. I think that's why it's easier to find more cheap, effective options because you can go out now and sign a guy. Like, I think there's some really sneaky underrated options and, you know, me, Exactly, right? So look at that. Like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. Like, it, it's so easy to replace a goalie these days. Like, and you're right. It's their like they're they're their own. Like, they're just their own. Like, you lose a player. Oh, great. Yeah. Like, okay. Now we get to go out and find his playing style. And uh, we've lost that chemistry. Okay, we bring in this guy. I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna click like the old guy, like the other guy did that left. And you, you got all these questions. But with a goalie. They all have the same mentality and yeah. like stop pucks. So they're their own. They're always all they're they're gonna like always be like their own, their own position, no chemistry required. So I think like I want Campbell back. Like I'm gonna set this table that I want him back. But honestly, if the Leafs don't get him back, I wouldn't have an issue because a goal like I wouldn't be like, oh man, this is it. Like no, it's not it. They're are so easy to replace like it's it's crazy like yeah we look at the ranta situation and then like yeah it's just like it may take them time but still it's just they're easy to replace and you can find cheap goalies that will get the job done so that's yeah. that's what i think that's what i think about the whole thing with them i want him back kind of make him a priority to get him back he had a good season but don't do anything that's just like not the right thing to do. Don't sign him uh, $5.5 million if you don't have to when you can find someone that's much cheaper out there. Mm-hmm. So I it's it's a it's a 50-50 thing for me. Like so I I really gotta see his that's whole situation with him. So but goalies are easy to replace. Like they're he's so replaceable if he leaves. That's that's my only thing. Alright. So, I, so... I'm not, like overly but yeah, go on. Yeah, all right, let's go to the uh, Norris Award now for our Maple Leafs. And we have the same one, obviously, and that is Morgan Riley. And Morgan Riley, you know, almost had, almost tied his uh, career high in points this season. He did finish with double-digit goals uh, for the first time since his 20-goal season, um, which was the season he had his career high, obviously. He was just a few points shy uh, Morgan Riley, you know, got that extension. He's going to be a Leaf for a very long time. There's no doubt in my mind he will be back in the blue and white next year. I know there's some crazy takes about him being traded. I cannot see that, especially after getting paid. Um, 
you know, he's really been the true, I guess, since day one guy here in a Maple Leafs uniform. But, you know, it's always it feels like it's always the same thing with Morgan Riley. And I remember talking about this last year. And, you know, this is only his second time uh, finishing with double-digit goals with the Maple Leafs. And, yes, I know there's been Leafs teams that he's played on that haven't been as offensively dominant. But he's more of you know, a pass first number one defenseman. And trust me, you know, they're usually all pass first oriented. They're all going to finish with more assists than goals, but easily, uh, yeah, because the first pass is crucial to breaking out and all that stuff. But, you know, Morgan Riley, as my number one defenseman getting that contract, he's going to need to shoot more for me. I'm going to need to see more goals in the back of the net. He's very reluctant to shoot. Um, he always holds until the very best timing. And I doesn't, you know, I don't get it because he has such a nice shot. We saw it in game seven, a beautiful snipe past Vasilevsky. And, uh, you know, I just wish he shoot more. Um, you know, we're going to talk about more defensemen on the Giordano podcast coming out in a bit. But, uh, you know, I just, I want to see more from Morgan Riley offensively in terms of shooting and goal scoring, because if he's my number one guy, I want my number one guy, you know, more in the 15 goals range, potentially, uh, hitting 20 because we know he's done that before so you know he finished with the 10 goals this year but i'm going to need to see more from morgan what do you think i agree with you i uh i don't like i'm not a fan of pass first defensemen that's uh that's just i don't know it's just too much of a setback but uh yeah if he oh man if he becomes shot first he's a weapon we saw in game seven that that, that goal was amazing like and if we get more out of that from him that, that's going to be a boost for the their number one guy you think yeah it's crazy to hear rumblings yeah they're gonna trade him he's not getting traded he, he's their number one guy he's he leads this leads this defense score and uh yeah i know he's getting double digits and goals we, we didn't see that in years past but like you're right this leaves team but the, the this leaves team's got just a lot stronger as years go and they're they're only getting better so i expect uh expect yeah he'll at least hopefully get over 10 15 goals but he uh if he, if he has that shot first mentality and i know like with you you have an awesome map it's william nylander Marner, tamaris like the power play you're gonna want to pass the puck for them that's kind of a given but just imagine though how much more of a weapon that power play will be if he is become shot first because he is an amazing shot they can get it through traffic everything we saw it uh Game seven, that first goal they got. So if we see more of that and more and more, it's 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 gonna he's gonna live up to his hype, and it's it's really gonna benefit the Leafs defensively too, uh, like their defense core. Like I don't mean I don't mean like in the defensive zone, but like their depth oh, defense core. <laughs> talking about goals. Morgan Riley in the defensive zone is a whole different conversation. Let's uh, avoid that one for now. Yeah, like that, but but like it's. I mean, like, it's going to help their, their decor to have that shot first. Oh, defense. yeah, for sure. But he is, I don't want to see him go fully shot first because he, he obviously makes for a lot of great plays, too. Yeah. But uh, I think I'd like to see a balance, a balance of both. And I'd like to see where that leads 50 50 between shots and passes. Agreed. So, All right. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see where that goes. And uh, it would really help the Leafs out, like, a lot with their, like, their decor. I'm not number one shot guy and definitely mm-hmm. on their power, for sure. I want to see more of what I saw in Game 7 from him after that goal. He's got to build upon that. So, but yeah, go on. Uh, now let's go to Team MVP, and this one's obvious. Kind of a given. <laughs> He's going up for the Hart Trophy. 
That is the guy from Scottsdale, Arizona, Austin Matthews, the 60-goal scorer, on pace to be the greatest Leaf of all time. Honestly, I'm quite comfortable to call him that right now. Um, just his ability to goal score and defend in his own zone as well. Really took leaps and bounds from where he was seasons ago defensively, and now he's just scoring at an insane pace, something I haven't seen at all in my childhood and as I grew up into a teenager. Really, really historical stuff from number 34 but you know his contract status is already getting buzz we're like two years still away from having to worry about that and you know i'm already seeing tweets daily about you know austin matthews and leaving toronto and where is he gonna go and all that stuff and it's crazy but i guess that's what to expect when you have a talent as good as austin matthews and without any doubt in my mind i had a name of mvp but honestly i'm gonna take this time right here to give stick taps to mitch marner because you know, being there in attendance for many games this year, seeing Mitch Marner and his commitment to the PK and, uh, you know, just really being that heartbeat of the team at certain moments. And, uh, you know, it was tough not to give Marner some MVP love here as well, because I truly believe he is the heartbeat of this team. Uh, you know, if you look more into it in terms of, you know, personality wise and all that stuff, um, he loves being a Leaf and all of that. Like, you know, local boy from Thornhill, Ontario, really grew up a Leafs guy, uh, you know, played in the OHL with the London Knights. So everything's been local for him. This has been his dream as a kid. Love being a Leaf. So his commitment to the defensive side as well, Mitch Marner, I got to give respect to him and uh, respect to Matthews as well. Those two guys, uh, this is their team, and I hope this is their team for at least a decade to come because these two guys are special, and it's a privilege to watch them night in, night out. Yeah, dude, I 100% agree with you. I'll start with Matthews, too. Uh, like 60 goals in, what, 73 games? Seven, like around there? Yeah, just crazy numbers. Video game let's, stuff. Let's let's have him play a full 82 and see what happens. I think that's going to increase. And even John Cooper called him out about it. Like a 70-goal season, potentially. That's crazy. You know, the hardest thing to do in this game is to score a goal. Especially on 5v5. I think, you know, there's there was some selkie buzz with Matthews, and I think that was rightly deserved. stuff like that yeah hard ted Lindsay, that'd be awesome he, he's had an mvp season so and he's yeah he's one of the best players in this league and i'm like i'm so happy he's on toronto all right so, now let's go to I, uh, oh sorry do you want to add something yeah, yeah go ahead let me touch about marner too okay yeah and yeah i'll give 
I'm actually going to give Marner a lot of credit because all last year, I just I wasn't a fan of Marner after after the uh, after Montreal, man. Like the one point seven games, I was just I was just through the roof with that. You're making that money, and you're that's what you're putting up when it matters. That that is that is brutal. But again, like he he like he he's totally changed my opinion a year later because. And I'm gonna start with him defensively. Like he he's another weapon on that penalty kill. Like he he's awesome on that penalty kill. Like he's the heart soul of that penalty kill. So I, I really like Marner for that too, his defensive zone abilities, his ability to make passes. He's another player I'd like to see shoot a bit more too. But I can't complain about what he's done. He totally turned it around this postseason against a much better hockey team. So I'm gonna give all my respect to him now. Like he he's an amazing player and I was not patient with Marner, unfortunately, but he's totally changed my opinion and he's only gonna get better moving forward. So like like I said to you, I hope we see these two guys like they're they're the duo of the Leafs, man, and I hope we see them for a long time in Toronto moving forward. Alright. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I like that you kind of agreed with me in my opinions and you know, we're lucky to have these two guys here, but I just want to get to the most improved player award for the Maple Leafs here on this pod before we get to the end of this episode. We are nearing the end of this kind of season look back. And, you know, for me, the most improved player was Timothy Lilligren. And I don't think that's much of a debate, especially when Mark Giordano came over. They seem to have really found their groove. Uh, Lilligren chimed in on some offenses here as well. Uh, but you know his split speed and yes his size isn't really there unfortunately but his skating and his you know commitment to the defensive game and stuff like that his skating ability as a defenseman really uh, gives me confident uh, confidence that like he will be a very nice you know top six for sure potentially top four defenseman there's some small defensemen in the NHL that have made some really nice NHL careers and I think Lilligren is on pace to do that. He's got great foot speed, uh, his skating, you know, balance and all that stuff. There's times where he might get bullied over. We've seen against, you know, more physically dominant teams like the Boston Bruins and New York Islanders, Detroit as well at certain points uh, throughout the season. But Lilligren, I think as he grows older, grows more into his body and stuff like that as he matures into a man, I think he's going to be a nice piece for this Maple Leafs team. And I have him as my most improved player. Uh, what about you? My biggest standout, I'd probably say, is Bunting for sure. Like what he what he did in this what he did for this team coming in. Like he's got to be a Hyman replacement, and we didn't really know what to expect about him. So I I'll call him an improvement for sure. It's definitely a step they they took forward with him. I'll keep it pretty brief because I really went on with him uh, earlier in the whole uh-huh. situation with him. But I definitely just keep it simple. Like what he did. Uh, just, just he, he plays that same style of pl- style of play as Hyman, and that was probably their top priority after losing him last offseason. Is is he able to do that? And I think he executed that simply. So he's definitely my most improved player and my biggest standout on the Leafs right now, uh, outside of like the big four and all that. But he's my biggest standout and uh, improvement. Yeah, you know, I I kind of struggled with putting him into most improved because I kind of was the guy that like told like I was like the hype beast for Michael Bunting saying like I'm expecting this and this and that yeah and so yeah so I wanted to put somebody else other than Michael Bunting but Michael Bunting was awesome and you know you can't say enough good things about him 
Uh, so that's he's my biggest standout. I know like we put you put the hype on him before, but he lived up to him, stood out, and I'm excited to see him again moving forward. So. All right, this is probably the most fun award now. Next, and that is the player we are most excited to watch next season. And I'm going to start here because this is a guy that on this podcast I have I've haven't been like. I've said some harsh things, some harsh words, uh, because there's been times where he frustrated the living heck out of me, and he's been really reluctant to shoot, and he's held onto the puck for way longer than he should have multiple times, uh, especially at the start of the season. This isn't his first season with the Leafs, but this was basically his first real full-time, you know, certified lock in the bottom six. Uh, you know, last year as well in the COVID year, he did get a lot of games, but this year was his first official, you know, full-time starter role with the Leafs, and that was Pierre Engvall. And Pierre Engvall, it wasn't until past the January point where I really started to notice his game. Obviously, I do expect more offense to come out of him because he occupies a pretty high role, being the third-line left winger. Sometimes he could fill the center spot as well. Uh, you know, he's good in his own zone, but he's really good on puck retrievals as well and stuff like that. Uh, quick player. He's definitely got the height and size, you know, if you want to make oh, some yeah. jokes about his neck. But uh, pure Engvall, you know, he really became more physically dominant as the season went on. We started to see him get scrappy. It started in the Heritage game where we really started him, you know, let loose. And even in the Tampa series, game one versus Hagel and, you know, it looks like he's really paved the way to become a full-time NHLer. And this is the Kyle Dubas project. This is what I call it, Kyle Dubas. This is a guy from the Marlies that they won the championship with, the Calder Cup down in, uh, you know, the Rico Coliseum. Uh, you know, now the Entercare Center or whatever. So, you know, Engvall, we're, see- we're starting to see him finally grow. He's on a team-friendly deal. Apparently there was teams this season outside of the Maple Leafs organization that inquired – about Pierre Engvall's status with the Leafs at this year's deadline, but they decided to hold on to him. I think rightly so. His analytics are good. He's a puck possession player, really fits this team system. And, you know, the way he finished this year, I truly believe he was injured after game one uh, because in game one he was just out there smashing bodies and it was probably his best game in a Maple Leafs uniform. You know, he's hard on the forecheck, doing, you know, the ugly things well, and he was always committed to the play and just really a big factor in winning that game and as the series went along his play kind of dropped off in terms of physicality I think that's because he's kind of nursing some injuries he took some really hard hits especially at the end of game one uh, just before the final horn he took a nice run in from a Tampa Bay Lightning player and uh, you know it sucks because I think if Pierre Engvall is playing to 100% the series potentially could have been over in six because the way Pierre Engvall played in game one I watched game one multiple times now already uh, because that was such a special night. But just watching how dominant Pierre Engvall was, not only physically, but in the offensive zone as well, and shutting down plays from guys as good as uh, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamko. So Pierre Engvall, for me, is a guy I'm going to be excited to see how he could keep this progression going up into next season, because I, I believe this Kyle Dubas project of Pierre Engvall is going to work out in the NHL, and I hope that's here with the Maple Leafs, because you know every season he's starting to look a little bit better. He's starting to fill out his body more, starting to grow into... Uh, more of a mature NHL-ready guy, and it just seems like he's really committed to working and stuff like that. And you know, it looks like he's determined to win. And if he could just get that offensive touch 
uh, you know, more consistently, and we see it a lot more often. He's got some good speed to him as well, a uh, big guy, and that's going to win you games in uh, the tough games of April, May. <laughs> Usually supposed to be April, but with the way COVID's gone, playoff games are in May now. So, you know, I think that's a guy that you're going to need to win those tough games, uh, especially if you could play like the way you did in game one. But what about you, Mitch? Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said on April. He's definitely, he could easily be that uh, depth guy that takes that step forward that I'd like to see moving forward in the playoffs. But, yeah, that's a good point you said about Engvall. But I'll, uh, I'll set him aside. I really uh, I want to see what Sandin brings to the table moving forward because I likely I think we're going to see Justin Hall. Uh, he's on Vanita Maple Leaf uniform uh, next season probably after. Well, how bad he is. And, yeah, he kind of costs him game, a goal in Game 7. I'm not going to say the game in Game 7, but a goal. So I definitely I think we're gonna see him off this roster, which which frees up the defensive spot, and uh, this is gonna be Sandine's time to shine because uh, that's a spot open for him. We saw him a bit in uh, Montreal. He had an okay series. I think uh, I remember he was kind of weak on the puck. I think game one, I don't know his second goal Montreal got. I can't remember exactly, but I just need to see more of this kid, and I definitely think he's due for improvement because he. he He's, he's got competition right now. We all know, I think Justin Hall is going to be gone. I, I hope he is, I, as he should be. And, uh, yeah, he, that's that's a spot open for him. So he's got to work for it. I'd like to see what he can bring moving forward to the table. We saw a bit of it in the playoffs, but I think I need to see it again. I need to see more of this kid, more full year of the regular season, hopefully. And Hall leaving will give him, hopefully, uh, Hall leaving will hopefully give him good chance to compete for and we'll see what happens from there so i'd like to see what happens uh with that last uh defensive swap pairing with all leaves he'll be my uh most improved or i'm sorry my most uh standout player moving forward if i uh if all justin all leaves so that's what i think about him yeah you know rasmus sandin i'm a huge fan of rasmus i love his skating ability he's so sound so poised and this year he really shined and you know the analytics will tell you everything about that he split time playing with travis dermott when dermott was here in the maple leafs organization uh he got a chance to play on the top line with morgan riley obviously two high octane offensive defensemen that was a mess um but you know at times with tj brody justin hall as well at certain points sandine had a really nice season i agree and you know i think this is a guy that potentially could give you Lots of points as a secondary scoring defenseman. Uh, I think that's crucial if you want to win cups is to have some production offensively from your back end. Uh, and Sandin looks like that option. I think he might be ready to take a top four role. Honestly, there was points where I was wondering before the Morgan Riley extension if, you know, Rasmus Sandin could be groomed into that number one workhorse uh, defenseman. Obviously, he has the offensive ability to do so. But they decided to keep uh, Morgan Riley and I think you know Rasmus Sandin has a really high floor uh, Swedish defenseman uh, you know the Swedes are known to have many many uh, legendary left-handed defensemen with some offensive ability so you know he shows me all signs of that top pick in the first round uh, fluent skater and you know he's getting stronger and that's what I saw this year you know last year we made some comments about how he looked weak and timid and scared especially in the playoffs uh, especially I, going against, you know, a, sorry, you want to yeah, go? That, yeah, that Montreal goal, what was it? I think game one, the, the, the late goal, he wasn't Yeah, yeah, the, he got beat I, in the corners. Yeah, I want to see him again, so I'm not going to doubt him on that one play. But 
and the analytics are through the roof with him as well. Analytically, he might have been the best defenseman on the Leafs this season. I think if yeah. he doesn't get injured, we see a lot better of a yeah. season from him. I think, you know, a lot of people would have given him as praise, rightly so, as he deserved. But Rasmus Sandin had a great season. And I know he was going up against third-pairing matchups. But, you know, this is a guy that I expect to take a jump next season. And I think he deserves more ice time than a guy like Jake Muzzin. And I feel completely comfortable saying that because I think Sandin's speed and the way he plays the modern game, I think, justifies his role. And, you know, I've seen a lot of takes about the Leafs trading him, and I hope not. And if they do so, they better get a young top six forward with term because Rasmus Sandin, I think, is going to be a very good NHL player. And I hope this next contract that he signs here, because it's obviously going to be a bridge deal with the Maple Leafs, uh, I hope it's, uh, you know, something a little bit more term-wise because uh, this guy looks like he's about to break out at any certain point at any given season now. Especially, and honestly... You know, knock on wood, but uh, I don't want to jinx anything. But if Morgan Riley ever had to miss some time, that top that, that top power play unit would obviously go to Rasmus Sandin, and something tells me that he would really find a groove there. And you know, he's he likes to shoot the puck as well a little bit more than Morgan Riley does, and you know that could potentially be a wildfire. And that's something that I've thought about a lot. Uh, but yeah, you know, that kind of wraps up today's episode. Uh, we both seem to have very common answers, and. You know, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. It's a long one for sure. I guess looking back at the season, how could it not? Um, Ups and downs, but, you know, this is a team that they look like they're ready. They look like they're close, and I cannot wait to see what next season brings. I think next season is going to be fun. They know what they're up against, and, uh, yeah, so thank you guys all for listening. Uh, hopefully Leafs hockey is back soon. It's going to be an interesting summer. Me and Mitch are going to have tons of content out for you guys and all my other co-hosts. And uh, we can't wait. We're going to have a Giordano episode dropping following after this as well and his extension. So we're going to get ready for that now. But thank you guys all for listening. It was a pleasure talking to you guys this year about the Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, let's hope next season we could be talking about second-round playoff hockey and potentially more bonus content. Uh, but with that... That's all for me and Mitch tonight, folks. Go Leafs, go. And, you know, taking us out here is Alan Silvestri's uh, Portals. Um, obviously the famous scene from the Avengers uh, to give us that kind of mood. Praying for next season as we'll be ready with tons of offseason content. Thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. That is all from us here today. Talk to you guys again soon about Mark Giordano. <laughs>